You with me? Then we said the blessing, this is review. I'm moving quickly. The blessing releases grace, which is divine ability, divine wisdom, divine energy, on purpose and for purpose. In fact, I want to specify even for this purpose, that there is a particular purpose that God releases his grace uh, on us for. You got it? Now, um, God blessed man. We saw that. We said he releases grace. And I want you to know that this is what the devil is, is deathly afraid of. He's afraid of mankind fulfilling our purpose. As not only as individuals, but even as mankind universally. Because the devil, when, when he came to the earth, when, or I should say when he presented himself to Adam and Eve, he, he went to steal their identity to take away their purpose so they wouldn't fulfill their destiny. Come on, guys. He, he, he did that because he, we know he became the God of this world. Am I right about it? And he's trying to keep us from really retaining that or walking in our godship, uh, godhood, godness. I don't know which one it is. So I just call all three of them. Godship, godhood, godness, our godlikeness, okay? You know, we are gods. Y'all kind of got nervous. We are gods. Psalm 82 says so. We are gods. Amen. John 8, Jesus said, didn't, didn't the word tell you that you are gods? So we are gods, lowercase g-o-d-s, not idols, not anybody that we're supposed to be worshipped. We're talking about we are created in God's image and God's likeness. Uh, my wife and I had Andersons. Y'all missed it. Our, our, our children, they are Andersons. So if we're made from, the, from God's seed, we are gods. And the devil's afraid of you walking in your godness. Your godship, your godhood, y'all got it, all right? And so um, I've been really given a lot of thought of this, of this fact and the, the, the fact that this is, you know, uh, proud of sin month nationally. Hallelujah. And the devil, he's, he works hard to rob man of identity. I've been telling you that, right? And he's brought this confusion. That's what's behind the homosexuality and lesbianism agenda. The, 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 because when there's homosexuality and lesbianism, you cannot reproduce. And what the devil wants to do is cut off man. He wants to cut off mankind. There can I don't I don't care I don't care what you do. You cannot reproduce through that kind of of connection. And the devil wants to cut man off completely to so, to get godship back over the earth. That's what's behind even the, the transgenderism movement. Hallelujah. Because when you're in that kind of lifestyle, uh, that kind of mindset, you've lost your identity completely. And if you don't have a correct identity, there's no way you can have a correct purpose. And the devil knows your purpose for being here on this planet. And so this is why in this uh, you know, Proud of Sin month, why we have to keep attacking that. And don't just, well, it's just, it's just a month. Just let people live how they want to live. No. See, we are part of God's divine plan. Y'all are real quiet. Y'all must too quiet for me for this. 
Y'all must have some friends of stuff you already like. But you, 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 cannot, you cannot gloss over that as if it's just, well, let people be. No, see, this is an attack from Satan against humankind. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So because he's, I, I, I was sharing this with uh, some guys, and I think I brought it up this morning, uh, because we talk about homosexuality and lesbianism, but then we get over to transgenderism, but the end goal is transhumanism. See, the transhumanism is to, you're already getting people to, you know, men to not act like men and women to not act like women and men to not like women and women to not like men so that they can't reproduce. But then he tries to get men to now become a woman and a woman to become a man so that you lose your identity. But then what he wants to get now is for humans to not be human. See, so we're, we're, in, the, we're in the age of AI. We're in the age of the Internet of Things. That's why the 5G was so, it was so imperative for 5G to come out. While they had everybody clamped down in America and all across the world, and they were putting up 5G towers everywhere, and everybody started getting these headaches every, all the time because they put this 5G out there, which is 50 times faster than, than 4G, more powerful. So it's putting out an enormous amount of radiation into the atmosphere, okay? That's why you're getting the headaches. But the whole point of that is to connect people so we move from just humanoids uh, to androids. I'm not talking about a brand of phone. I'm talking about androids being uh, robotic. Well, we're, they're, they're trying to, uh, I'll tell them this morning, you look up what uh, Elon Musk is doing. Um, he's just one of the companies, Neuralink. They're, they're looking at embedding, implanting uh, chips and, and things in, in people's brains. Exactly how uh, the market of beasts is talk, talked about. In, in, the, in the forehead. Not on, in, says in the King James, in. Or in the hand, not on. It says in the King James. So it's implants. You know, they've been practicing this for years. There are corporations across America that are already have already planted chips, and people go through, and they, that's how they get in and out of their companies. And people, they do transactions that way. So this is nothing new. Y'all better wake up. I know everybody watches Super Bowl and NBA Finals and stuff like that, but there's stuff happening all around us that we really, really better be awakened to. And the enemy's goal is to destroy humanity. So that's why he's not going to stop at just transgenderism. He's, his goal is transhumanism to, because what happens, and in fact, I told him I was reading that article uh, about, about this Neuralink company, uh, Elon Musk, and they, they mentioned this phrase in there that, that they hope to be able to uh, implant, um, they, they sell it as a medical breakthrough where they can help people who are paralyzed or blind or even depressed. Depressed? Depressed. Then they said they want to be able to, to, to have people um, uh, retaining thoughts and to eventually affect everyone's digital soul. Digital soul. Did you, be, you hear what I said? Are y'all listening to me? They want to affect people's digital soul. Now, your soul is a seatbed of your mind, will, and emotions. Your soul is what allows you to choose Christ. 
so in, in the end, if you get the mark of the beast, people say, well, get the mark of the beast, you can't, can't get saved. Yeah, there's a reason you can't get saved, because you will not be able to, to control your mind anymore. You, you, won't, you won't have control of your mind. Okay? So that, that's what the enemy is after. So we can't just let transhumanism come. We can't let transgenderism slide. And we can't let homosexuality and lesbianism slide. Because it's trying to slide all the way. Y'all quiet in this Baptist church. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start questioning how some of y'all walk. Start checking some of y'all Facebook. I'm not on that. I'm going to start checking some of y'all Instagram and stuff. Some of y'all kind of look like you shaky when I say this kind of stuff. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So if, if my point is with the transhumanism that if you've lost your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, then you have no control uh, in getting to your destiny. Y'all got this here. All right. Now, remember this, what I gave you. My identity points to my purpose. My purpose gives parameters to my assignments. My assignments fulfill my destiny. Y'all got it? 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, it says, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, what work did the devil do? We saw it down up at the beginning of the verse. He who sins or practices sin commits sin is of the devil. So that's the work he did was he planted his seed in, in us. He planted his seed in us, and his seed is what produces the sin. Okay? Y'all got it? So Christ came, he was manifested for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil, to get that sin seed out of us. We've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible seed of the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Okay? So it says, for this purpose, he was manifest. Remember that word purpose I gave you was the Greek word tuta, which means that thing or this thing, therefore, for this cause or wherefore. Right? So we said purpose is your wherefore, it's your therefore, it's your why. It's the whole reason for this or that. Y'all got it? Now, let's get into this a little, little more here. If, if, if my identity comes from God, then where does my purpose come from? It has to come from God. If my identity comes from God, my purpose must come from God. Now notice that the, the agenda of the enemy out there in the proud of sin month and the proud of sin agenda is to tell people that your identity does not come from God. They have to remove God from the platform. Am I in the right church? I'm not sure. They, they have to remove God from the platform. We, we tell us we evolved from monkeys and apes and so forth. That Big Bang is the reason behind all creation. Because if we can get God out of the equation, then I don't have to find, first of all, I don't have to abide by God's laws if he's not really God. And then secondly, I don't get in my identity from God if there is no God. Which means I can, I can identify however I want to identify. This is why you have now people uh, identifying as cats and people identifying as giraffes and 
There was a girl in a school somewhere, I forget what, what state it was in, what city it was in, but this one girl, she came to school, she started identifying as a cat. Because she identifies as a cat, they, had, they were forced to provide for her a cat litter and accommodation because she identified as a cat. And the teacher who did not agree with that was, uh, was, was I, were they fired? I, I, they received some sort of punishment because they were not willing to, uh, uh, you know, uh, go along with the girl identifying as a cat. In America, this is in America, 2023. So, so I want you to understand then that if, if I take God away, then I don't get my identity from him. I identify by whatever I want to identify. But if I lose my identity, then I have no purpose. So if my identity comes from God, I must also glean my purpose from God. Now, again, here's the question. How do I discover my identity? How do I discover my identity? Well, it's very simple. It's by the word. The word of God is a mirror. So to find out who I am, to find out what I am, I look in the word. Amen. To find out who I am, I look in the word. The word is a mirror. I look in the word. I find out who I am. Who did God make me? I don't take my identity from Cosmopolitan or Vogue or GQ or, or the New York Times or CNN or Fox or anybody else because they're all corrupt. I don't take, my, I don't take my, my identity from any one of those organizations. I take my identity from the word of God. I get in the word. That's why you got to have your nose in this book to find out who you are. Because if you don't, if you don't, then the world will, will blanket you with they, what they want you to identify as. And they'll, they'll try to convince you you're something other than who you actually are. They'll try to steer you a certain way. Or trap you into something, try to box you into something. Well, you can't really be that because of your skin color or because of your, your neighborhood or because of your, your uh, actual gender or be- whatever, whatever, whatever. They, 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 they'll, they'll try to uh, cover you with some identity as opposed to you and me getting to the word of God and finding out who we are, what we are based on the word of God written, given to us by the one who actually made us. That's why it's important you go back to Genesis 1, 27, when it says God created them in his own image, according to his own likeness, male and female, he created them. So he's from the very beginning, he shows us, here's, here's at least where you start. Here's when you want to know who you are, what you are. Here's where we start. You, you start with, I'm male or female. Yo, boy. I, I, I'm going to start with, I'm male or female, because that's what it said. So I, I need to find out which one am I. Well, how do I find it out? I get in a mirror, or I get in the bathtub, or I get in the shower, and I look down, and it's going to tell me straight up which one I am. So I, at least I have that down. Now, once I have that down, I start looking and discovering, well, what's that image? What's that likeness? Well, I start going through his word. I start going through his word. And we'll, 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 I mean, thank you, Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about, uh, I think it's over in Psalms where it says, I will be satisfied when I awaken in your likeness. See, so the more I stay in God's word, I begin to find out, oh, who I am. I want to be more like him. I'll be satisfied when I awaken in your likeness. 
I know I've reached, reached where I'm supposed to be when I awaken in your likeness. When God, I look like you, I talk like you, I walk like you, I act like you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to awaken in your likeness. Okay? So that's how we begin to find out who we are. So then, once I know my identity from the word, how do I discover my purpose? Now, that's by revelation. I discover my purpose by revelation. Because I, I won't find the fullness of my purpose. I will find out a general purpose for all mankind. I will find out a general purpose for all believers. But I may not find out my particular purpose just by reading the word. I must now spend time with God by the Holy Ghost and allow him to reveal to me what my purpose is based on his word. Because he's not going to reveal anything to you that doesn't line up with his word. That's why it's so imperative that you and I are knowledgeable of the word of God. Praise God. In other words, in other words, uh, how many of y'all have ever said, God, I, man, I, I would love to hear God's voice. I would love to hear God's voice. Three of y'all, I would love to hear God's voice. Well, be careful. Be very careful when you say that. I'm sure we all desire that, but be very careful when you say that because the moment you articulate that out of your mouth, now the devil knows what you said. As long as it is in your brain, in your heart, the devil doesn't know it. But the moment you say, boy, I want to hear God's voice, now you've aired it out, and he works in that realm. Now he knows how to send an angel. Of, he can send an angel, to, uh, uh, one of his fellows, to transform himself to an angel of light. He knows how to imitate a voice. So that's why it's imperative that you and I know the word of God so that if we do hear a voice... We can match it with the word and make sure it aligns with the word of God. Y'all are quiet in this Presbyterian church, but I'm telling you the truth. You better know the word. Say that, you better know the word. Because if you don't, you can be deceived. I mean, the devil came preaching the word to Jesus. Didn't he, know, didn't he do that? Well, some of y'all looking at me like you're stunned. Didn't the devil come preaching the word to Jesus? He told Jesus Christ, he said, he said, Jesus, it is written that he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all. He started quoting Psalm 91. The devil was quoting Psalm 91. Trying to get Jesus Christ to bow, to bow down and worship him. See, so if you don't know the word of God, then you, you, can, you can be deceived with your Holy Ghost filled self. Hallelujah. So I need revelation. Everybody say I need revelation. So I gave you this Isaiah chapter, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 19 last week in the message translation. And I'm going to read it. I'm, 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 I'm kind of speed reading. I'm, I'm moving quickly, so y'all stick with me. Says, he says, that's why, this is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus, that's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you every time I prayed. I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than that. More than thanking God for you, I ask. Thank you, Lord. That's, that's, a, that's a good theological point right there. I'm going to put a pen right there. That he said, even more than thanking God for you, I ask. 
Some of us in our faith cells have gotten this prayer mode where all we do is thank God. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. And we've stopped asking God for stuff. Y'all missing it. I know y'all, y'all, are, y'all are some high, deep, and wonderful faith folk. And y'all pray, you know, y'all pray all y'all, God, I thank God, I thank you that this, God, I thank you that this, God, I thank you that this. Wait a minute. You better ask first. He didn't say, if you thank, thank me for anything in my name, I'll, I'll do it. He said, if you ask me for anything in my name, I'll do it. That's it. Just, just as a point, I got to help all the prayer warriors in the house. That you got to learn to first ask. Now, once you've asked, God, I think that it's done. But don't, don't impose your faith. Don't, don't be um, uh, presumptuous with your faith that you haven't asked for something. Boy, y'all must not like me tonight. Hallelujah. So he said, I ask. I ask the God of our master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you what? Make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see, come on, exactly what he's calling you to do. So you can see exactly what he's calling you to do. Now, we read that part last week. So we're talking about here knowing your purpose, knowing your assignments here. He wants, he said, I ask that, Father, God will open your eyes so that you can know exactly what he's calling you to do. No, you can know. So not only do I know that I'm in the word of God, not only do I know I'm going to heaven, not only do I know that God wants me to live right and, and treat people right. We know those general things that God wants. But what exactly do you want me to do? When, when, when Paul uh, first encountered Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, the ninth chapter of Acts, of Acts right, he asked two questions. Lord, who are you? What was number two? What would you have me to do? In other words, who are, who are you? Tell me, reveal yourself to me, and then tell me what's my purpose, what's my assignment. Because i got to know that. If you call me, you call me for a reason. You're not calling me just to come to church. We're, we're, all, we're all supposed to come to church, but what are you calling me to do out there? Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished what? My course. He didn't say I finished the course. He said, I finished my course. Oh, so there's a particular course for you. Now, I know we all run this race with patience, but what's your course? Oh, boy, I'm, I'm preaching better than y'all let know. What is your course? What is his path for you? See? And I got to know that, and I spend time with God to get that. So he says uh, exactly what he's calling you to do, to grasp the, the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers, all oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him, endless energy, boundless strength. Endless energy, boundless. That's the grace of God. So once you find out what you're called to do, he releases to you endless energy, boundless strength. Say it. Endless and say it again. Endless boundless strength. That's what you need. That's what we need. Endless energy. I'm so tired. Oh, I'm going through. No, no, no. The reason you you frustrate and struggling because you're not in your lane. 
you're in somebody else's lane. You're probably doing something that God called somebody else to do, not what he called you to do. Because if you do what he calls you to do, you're going to experience endless energy, boundless strength. Oh, man. They don't like this, Lord. I'm not, I'm not sure they like this here. If you and I will get in and stick to, because that's the point. We, we sometimes can get on the course. You ever seen anybody running, run a track meet and uh, they got the eight lanes and they're in there, they're in lane six, lane seven, but sometimes they drift to the other lanes. You, you can be disqualified for that, right? Oh, boy. So I want that endless energy and boundless strength. Okay, now let's keep going. Let's keep going here. We read Proverbs 29, verse 18 last week. Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. So no revelation means no restraint. Now what's revelation? It's what God reveals to me. Uh, King James used the word vision. Where there's no vision, the people perish. That word perish literally means to, to, to be loose. It doesn't mean to literally die. It means to be loose. So without a vision, you, you'll live a loose life. I'm not talking about sin. Okay, now that will happen, but I'm not, that's not my focus tonight. I'm not talking about loose in sin. I'm talking about lo loose in your activity. And what, no focus. And when if there's no focus, you might have a lot of activity, but not a lot of productivity. A lot of movement, but not a lot of progress. So the way we, we, we counter that is we get a revelation from God. We get a vision from God because a vision shows us where we're going, what we're supposed to be doing. All right, so revelation gives me restraint. Revelation gives me restraint, Okay. So God gives me a purpose, and that purpose then gives me direction. That purpose gives me direction. Everybody say direction. direction. Psalm 37, verse 23, y'all know this scripture very well. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The steps of a good man are what? Ordered. 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 So if God orders my steps, I need to follow the steps that he ordered. I don't have time to read it, but you reference later on Ephesians 2.10, Amplified Classic, where it talks about that God has already laid out this path for us to walk in. Right? Prearranged this good life, made ready for us to live this good life. So if I follow the path, the steps that he laid out for me, then and it's the steps that he ordered, then it's getting me to my, my expected end. Y'all got it? Proverbs 16, verse 9. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says this. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord, come on, directs his steps. A man's heart plans his way, so our hearts may plan our way, but I better let the Lord direct my steps. Now, there's, there's no evil in planning your way. He's not condemning you for planning your way. We should plan. Our lives will be a lot more, we, we operate a lot more efficiently if we planned. 
uh, all these smartphones we have, they, they have built-in organizers, built-in calendars and stuff, and we, we missing appointments and late for stuff, and I forgot about that, and oh, I paid my bill late, I forgot that bill was due. I used to put the bills right in on my calendar like an like a appointment, pay that bill on this day right here. I mean, we, we, if we plan, there's a, a saying in the world, you've heard it, if I fail to plan, then I plan to fail. So nothing's wrong with planning, but with my planning, it says, but the Lord directs my steps. So God, he, I must yield to him to, to get me uh, to where I'm supposed to be, because I don't want to plan my way, and yet, um, because the Bible says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. So I don't want to just go on the way that seems right. If I may plan something, but God, you are free to direct my steps. Hallelujah. You may plan on going to Tahiti for your vacation, and God says, no, I, I direct you to go to Turks and Caicos. Then you go wherever he wants you to go. Or he may say, no, I want you to go to Tampa. God, I don't want to go to Tampa. Here's the problem. If I go where he doesn't endorse or ordain, there's no grace on me for it. And he's not obligated to cover me where I am. Oh, boy. He's not, he's not obligated to cover me where I am because I just wanted to be there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And your mom used to say, stay in this yard. Stay inside this fence. She knew there was dogs out there. You better stay in this fence. Stay in this yard, all right? So we want to stay where God wants us to be. All right, now, so he's ordering our steps. Everybody say he's ordering our steps. Romans 8, 28 talks about all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. So all things work together, okay, for good. So things work together for us when we're walking in God's purpose for our lives, okay? If I walk outside of his purpose, things aren't working together, okay? Now, go to Luke chapter 4 real quick, Luke 4, because... Remember what we said, purpose gives parameters to my assignments. Okay? Luke 4, and I want to bring out this point to you tonight. I don't know how, how many points I'll be able to give you, but we'll get this one. That purpose guides my decisions. Purpose guides my decisions. Purpose guides my decisions. Remember, purpose is giving parameter. You know what parameter is. Parameter is a boundary. That's what parameters are. Think the word perimeter, the outside. Parameter is it's setting a boundary for your path. Okay? You operate within certain parameters, certain, huh? Purpose guides your decisions, or my decisions. Purpose guides your decisions. Okay? Hallelujah. This is important. Remember what we said, what, what we read. Without a revelation, people cast off restraint. So if you don't have a, and again, King James, without a vision. Some translations say without a prophetic vision. In other words, if you don't have a clear direction as to where you're supposed to be going, what you're supposed, what you're supposed to be doing, you'll have no restraint. You'll have no boundaries. 
you'll, you'll be anywhere. How many of y'all um, like to bowl? Okay, you know when, when you're a child bowling, they put up um, parameters. Y'all call them bumpers. What those bumpers are, it's parameters to keep their ball from going in the gutter. To help the ball, no matter how slow it's going, how long it's going to take. <laughs> it's, it takes patience when you're bowling with little children. Just, like, bowl, and you, they, they bowl, you go get something to eat. And come back. Oh, ding. It knocks down one pin. But you, you put up parameters for the children. Right? It's, it's boundaries. It's bumpers to, to keep them within the lane. So without a vision, without revelation, the people cast off restraint. Which means, you, you ever been bowling with somebody and they, they wrote, bowled their ball and it bumped over into your lane? You ever seen Oscar Bowl or one of them, Chris or Jerry? Them guys, they bowl so hard, the ball coming 25 miles an hour. And if it mess around and hit something, it's going to bounce over another lane. Oscar needs bumpers, man. Just keep the thing, keep the thing inside the lane. Tear the walls up. Right? So, so without revelation, people cast off restraint. So we need the restraint to keep us in line. So purpose then does what the bumpers do, guides my decision. So when I'm presented with an opportunity, I'm presented with an option, I don't just, well, I feel like this, I feel like that. No, my purpose must guide that decision. Because anything I decide must fall within the parameters of my purpose. I don't know what this is, it? Y'all got it? Yes, when you, you decided, well, I'm, I'm, I want to go, go to college. Well, okay, there are a lot of colleges out there. But have you found out your purpose yet? Because if you don't know your purpose, you're going to go to somebody who just offered you money or they got a, it's a good party town or you're going to make all kind of crazy decisions about where you go to college based on how you feel. But if you know your purpose already, okay, which one fits within? Y'all quieter here. Which one fits within my purpose? Which job to take? I don't care if they offer you quarter dollar, another quarter an hour. Which one fits within my purpose? See, if I don't let purpose guide, and the purpose comes from the Holy Ghost. If I'm not guided by the Holy Ghost and the purpose he gives me, then I make decisions based on, well, you know, they got a good 401k plan, or they have, you know, they, they give free pizzas on Friday and stuff like that, and you make all those kind of decisions, but, and it'll have you way over in this lane over here, way outside of your purpose. Hello, church. I can guarantee you, if you're like me, we probably made 60% of our decisions in life purposeless. Making decisions based on what was most convenient, what was, what was easier, what seemed more attractive, what was more entertaining, and not, not what's going to make the most money, but not based on, well, what's my purpose, my divine purpose. Y'all, this is not preschool preacher right here. This is not, this is not preschool here. Are you in Luke 4? Yes. Um, 42. 
through 44. <clears throat> Luke 4, 42 through 44. It says, now when it was day, he, this is Jesus, departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because, because what? For this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So look at this scenario here. He's gone and he's got into a deserted place. He's getting apart by himself. He's going to pray or chill out, just, just relaxing, maxing, chilling. Y'all. And what happens? The crowd, the crowd, the what? Crowd sought him came to him, which means they found him. They sought him, they looked for him, found him, came to him, and notice, tried to keep him from leaving them. Now, I want you to imagine Jesus, because at this time, he's in what we would call in, in theological training, his year of obscurity. His ministry hasn't hit the popularity phase yet, where he has great multitudes. Okay? Now, I want you to, to think, put yourself in that situation. You're in ministry, and a crowd comes to you. Y'all got to catch this. You gotta, I want you to put yourself in this scenario. You know God's called you to ministry. And boy, you preached over at that last church over there, or you preached over there somewhere, and boy, and everybody fell out, and you know, and they brought, gave you a good pound cake or something, and you're going on your way. And, and uh, now, now here comes the crowd. Notice the Bible points out, the Holy Ghost points out, the crowd. That's every pastor's dream is a crowd. I got a crowd. The crowd look for me. They like me. They really like me. They found me, the crowd. Sought out by the crowd. They found me, and they're begging me to stay here. What do they want to do? They want him to, let's start a church. Let's start a synagogue. I want you to imagine the enticement to Jesus. Hmm. I ain't got to travel. I ain't got to be on the road. I'm getting them pound cakes every week. <laughs> I got Jesus. I got, and, and I'm starting out with a crowd? We ain't got to evangelize. We ain't got to do nothing. I, got, I, got a crowd. I already got a crowd already. Now, they want Jesus to pastor them. Right. 
they want to lock him down to this location. Are y'all seeing this here? And this presents a dilemma for Jesus. Except he's led by the Holy Ghost. Except he knows his purpose. So though the offer is enticing, his decision is guided by his purpose. He responds to them by saying, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose, I have been sent. In other words, he says, I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm called to be an evangelist. And the truth is that if he had allowed them to label him and limit him to a pastoral position, to a pastor, pastor, uh, a pastorship, he would have he would have frustrated the grace that was on him to be an evangelist. I don't know if y'all catch this. Are you saying you saying Jesus Christ couldn't have been a pastor? I'm saying no, he couldn't have been a pastor because he wasn't called for no pastor. He said, for this purpose I was sent, to go preach in other places also. So I, you, can't, you can't limit me. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't say, man, we, we'll vote you in and we'll take good care of you. We'll give you a housing allowance and give you a house and we'll make, we'll make you this and we'll, we'll buy you a company car. We'll do all this kind of stuff. No, no, no. He, oh, no, no, no. I'm not called to that. Y'all be y'all. See, because see, I'm looking at some of y'all faces. Some of y'all might say, well, I have to think about that. I have to think about that. that. They're going to do all the crowd. I got a crowd already crowd already, boy, we can get some banners, we can get some cars, we can on the internet, boy, I can get me a praise team put together out of that crowd, I can find me a musician in the crowd, I got, got me a crowd, I got me a crowd, and you'll get stuck somewhere doing something that God didn't call you to do and frustrate you and frustrate them because that's not what God called you to do. He said, no, I must Preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. So purpose, listen to this, takes precedence over people. Purpose takes precedence over people. Purpose takes precedence. In other words, you can't allow people to influence you or persuade you to operate in some area, some arena that God didn't call you to. You must know what God called you to do and not allow people to take precedence over your purpose. Just because they offer you a good deal doesn't mean you take it because you must know what your purpose is, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. He had already looked, matter of fact, y'all still look for? Look at verse 18 and 19. He had already t- announced what his purpose was, what his assignment was. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's my assignment. I got to go out here and do this. I can't be stuck here. I love y'all, but I can't stay here doing this when I'm called to the nations. 
Well, I'm called to other cities. I'll pass back through here, but I'm called beyond this. Not that evangelist is better than the pastor, but that it's a different assignment. I can I contend, um, some of y'all may, may try to vote me out for this one, but just hear me out. I contend Jesus wasn't, wasn't cut out to be a pastor. I can show you why. You want to see why? I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm going to tell you why he wasn't cut out. Go to, go to John 2. I'm going to show you from John 2 why he wasn't cut out to be a pastor. That pastor, that's blasphemous. He was a good shepherd. No, 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 no. We know he's overall shepherd of all, but pastoring was not his forte. It, Jesus would have struggled as a pastor. I'm going to show you why. In John 2, in John 2, verse 23 through 25, I'm going to show you why he would have struggled as a pastor. Y'all want to know why? John 2, are you there? 23. Now, when he was at, in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, Many believed in his name. Remember that crowd? Many believed in his name when they saw the signs, which he did. So he got a lot of believers ready to follow him. But Jesus did not commit himself. See, a pastor has to commit himself to people. Y'all don't want to hear this because y'all are the church. Y'all don't want to hear this about a pastor. But he did not commit himself to them. Why? Because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of men, for he knew what was in man. So could you imagine Pastor Jesus? Um, pastor? Yes, this Pastor Jesus. Um, pastor, I'm not going to make it tonight because um, I'm feeling a little sick, you know. Pastor Jesus can say, you a lie. You watch a wheel of fortune. You a lie. Y'all don't want to hear that. Pastor, I want to give. I want to give to the building fund, but you know, I can't because things are a little rough. You a lie. Did not my heart go with you when you went to Neiman Marcus last week? Didn't my heart go with you? I Pastor Jesus, Pastor, Pastor Jesus. See, because he, he said he knew men. See, and what one of the privileges I have as a pastor is I don't know y'all. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's in you like that. So I, I, I can pastor freely because I, I just, I Lord, praise God. I just pray for them, bless the, bless their Lord and heart. But Jesus said, no, I already, I already know them. Y'all don't hear me. But see, as an evangelist, he preaching, keep on pre pre just preaching, preaching, just preaching, just preaching, keep, just preaching. I ain't got to get in your business. I just preach and keep on moving as the evangelist. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, that's why I know it says, Pastor, I can't go to everybody's birthday party, everybody's, I can't, I can't, I can't be around all that stuff because then I start knowing stuff and I'm like, oh, oh. Start knowing stuff I didn't want to know. And I start side-eyeing you when I preach. And I don't want to side-eye. I want to preach freely to you. 
That, that's, why, that's why pastor doesn't even check the tithe record. I don't even check the tithe record. You know why? Because if I did, I'd be side-eyeing people. And then you'd accuse me of when I say something, I'm, oh, he's talking to me. He, no, I ain't talking to you. I don't know nothing about your tithe record. But Jesus, he the kind who would sit over at the treasury and look and watch. Didn't he do it? Didn't, didn't he do it? Bible says they came throwing him money in the treasury. He sat over opposite the treasury. He watched. Oh, I, I see what you're cheap behind giving. I see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see, so no, he, he wasn't cut out to be a pastor. That, that wasn't in his makeup because he, he knew too much. Now, y'all don't vote me out just because of that. Just you check it, check in the word. Just see if the Holy Ghost bear witness with you. Just, I'm just telling you, if you don't believe me, try being a pastor for a week and you'll find out. You, you got to make sure you don't know too much about people. That's why I'm not on social media. Social media, I end up knowing too much. I, I don't want to know. Let me just preach. Let me just preach. Let the Holy Ghost do the work. I'm not going to be Holy Ghost Junior. I'm going to let Holy Ghost do the work in your life. Because if, if I'm all over social media, then I start talking about you, and you know I'm talking about you, because I am talking about you. But since I don't know anything, then you know, you know I'm never talking about you. And all I can say is if the shoe fits, change the shoe. Oh, man. Okay, let's, let's, let's go to one last place, then we'll go home. One last place. One last place. Go to, uh, um, write this down. Only take assignments, or only take on assignments that align with your purpose. Only take on assignments that align with your purpose. Only take on assignments that align with your purpose. And let's go to Acts chapter 6, please. Acts 6. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm like, what's that? Was it Sergeant Schwartz on uh, Hogan's Heroes? I know nothing. I know nothing. Huh? Hallelujah. Okay. Acts 6. Start at verse 1. Now in those days when the number of disciples of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve, everybody say the twelve. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men, everybody say seven men, of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint or assign to this business. But we will give ourselves continually to what? Prayer Prayer and to what? And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and uh, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. 
Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied. How? Great. Greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, here's the scenario. Notice the scenario. That the church is growing. They're multiplying. Now you have uh, Greek people coming into the church, body of Christ, along with the Jews who've been converted, and they're now believers, Christians, and so forth. And so now, as things are spreading, there's some hardship hitting in Jerusalem, that area, and now the, the Greek widows are complaining because they're not getting what they consider a fair share or portion of what's being handed out. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're, they're on the God's welfare program, and they're, they're complaining about that rather than using their faith, so that's a whole other, another message right there. So they're complaining about that. So notice the 12 apostles, they called the people and said, listen, they said, it is not desirable, verse 2, that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, I want you to understand something real quick because I don't want you to, to think that they are demeaning or belittling serving tables. They're not saying that that's, too, that's, that's beneath us. They're not saying that's, that's lower than we, we can go. What they're saying is it's not desirable or proper that we should leave our assignment to do that. That's not our assignment. That was our assignment when we were in the wilderness and we fed the 5,000. When we were in the wilderness and we, said we fed the 4,000. That was our assignment to take what we had, what Jesus Christ multiplied, and pass it out. We served tables then. But now that we are in a different dispensation, we now have a different assignment. So it would not be proper for us to leave this assignment and serve tables. There's nothing wrong with serving tables. They said, so let's choose seven men. Now, we know this can't be some menial task because notice the qualifications. They must be seven men of good reputation. Full of the Holy Ghost yes, and wisdom. So this is not some menial task. This is a, a high priority task, but it's not our task. Are y'all getting this here? So for us to, us to stay in our lane, we got to find some people who fit into that lane. And they're not nobodies. They're going to be good. That means you got to know them. Good reputation. That means they're, 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 all y'all know them. You know all about them. Nobody has anything to say. Ain't no scandals about them. Nothing in their closet. Good reputation. Because they're going to be overseeing something. We may appoint them over this business. Full of the Holy Ghost, which means they can hear God's voice. So this serving tables is not just passing out bread, ladies and gentlemen. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. They got to know how to do this properly, how to manage the people of the church. They said, but what we're going to do is, while they're doing that, while they are now assigned to that, we're going to stick to our assignment, which is prayer and ministry of the word. Hallelujah. Now, so, this is not beneath the apostles. 
It's just outside of their purpose. So they weren't willing to take an assignment that didn't align with their purpose. Is this good in the back down there? In the front, nobody's saying anything. In the, are y'all getting this in the back? You see, my, my point is to you because it's so easy in the church to get swept up into something that's not your assignment. Because you see a need. You see a need and you feel like I got, I got to go fill that need. It's not for every believer to fill every need. It's not for every church to fill every need. There are some things that some churches are called to do that we are prohibited from doing. And they're doing good things. They're in their lane. God has assigned them to do that. But he don't, don't, well, I, that church ain't, y'all you ain't nobody because y'all ain't doing that. We're not assigned. It, it, sometimes, sometimes it, it just bothers me uh, and I have to just resist it. When, when guys come and they, they call or they're, you know, I go to some pastors meetings and pastors, they, they, people are part of organizations and they, they are so hyped about what they're doing. They're, they're hyped. They're passionate about what they're doing. And they, they want you to be as passionate as they are about what they're doing. And for some, for some reason, if you're not as passionate as they are, you, you are, you must be a heathen. You ain't really saved because you're not as passionate about this area as I am. No, I'm passionate about my assignment. You're not doing what God called me to do. I'm not going to look down on you because you're not doing what God called me to do. So don't look down on me because I'm not doing what God called you to do. God needs every one of us doing what he called us to do. You're passionate about what you do. I'm passionate about what I do. They're passionate about what they do. And when we all do what God called us to do, we get what they got here. And the church begins to grow exceedingly. It begins to multiply greatly. When everybody does what God assigned them to do. And the tendency is, is there's a need out there. I just got to go fill that need. And you'll, you'll spend and waste your time and God's money trying to do something that he did not call you to do. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Now, let's close out here. Because the Bible says, verse 4, we'll give ourselves continually to the prayer and ministry of the word. The saying pleased the multitude. They chose the seven men, right? Verse 6, whom they set before the apostles. That's the 12. And notice how important this ministry is. When they had prayed, See, this isn't just talking about y'all go just pass out forks and knives and spoons and, and, and pass out bread in a, in a bag. This is so important that the apostles are compelled by the Holy Ghost to pray and then lay, hand, lay, lay hands on them. Why are they laying hands? They're laying hands to impart a grace to them. I don't care if you are an usher or a greeter or a deacon or, or a servant in the kitchen. When God has appointed you and you have been prayed for and hands laid on you, there's a grace and anointing on you just as much as there's one on the pulpit. Because that's your lane, your assignment. 
And if all of us were together to do our assignment, again, what it say? The word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Because everybody's doing what they were assigned to do. So when they prayed for them and they laid hands on them, they released grace for their assignment. So much grace, Elder Baker. We read about two of these guys, Stephen and then Philip. They became partakers of the apostles' grace. They start preaching. Oh, they start laying hands. They start doing signs and wonders and miracles. They start flipping cities upside down. Why? Because they're in their assignment. So, again, I close with that. Only take on assignments that align with your purpose. Don't let anybody drag you into doing something that's not part of your purpose. Don't let anybody pistol whip you or browbeat you into doing something that's not in your assignment. It's not part of your purpose. Do y'all hear me? Do y'all hear me? I'm saying this as your pastor, your shepherd, your spiritual dad. I'm begging you, don't let anybody drag you into doing something that's not part of your purpose. You can be all well-intentioned, and they can be all well-intentioned, but a bad decision will frustrate you. It'll drain the energy you have because there's no boundless energy for it because it's not part of your purpose, not part of your assignment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. Amen. Did y'all receive anything out of that tonight? Woo-wee! Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you tonight for the word of God. Thank you for your people. I pray that each and every one of us will operate in the purpose and the assignment that you, that assignments that you've given to us, that, God, we will not allow ourselves to be dragged into something that we're not supposed to be doing because there's just a need or because um, somebody compels us or whatever the case may be or because something looks more attractive than what we're doing. I pray, Father, that each and every one of us will stay, uh, keep, keep laser focus on the purpose, the lane, the assignments that, that you give to us so that we all, together as a body of Christ, as we all do our part, as we all do our part, can become the full measure of the stature of Christ. That as we all do our part, can fulfill your purpose and your plan in uh, our generation. As we all do our part, God, we will uh, accomplish the, the, the thing that you sent us here to do as a people, as a people, as the body of Christ in this generation. And now, God, I pray that as we um, seek out revelation from you, open our eyes so that we will know exactly what we are supposed to be doing. I pray that your people will have the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of you. That, God, the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we may know exactly what you've called us to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I pray even, Father, that, Lord, your people will know it's never too late to start. 
Never too late to start doing exactly what you called us to do. God, Moses didn't even start fulfilling that will fully until he was 80 years old. We pray, Father, that God, uh, that your people will begin to walk in that. Abraham was 75 when he first heard your voice calling him. We pray, Father, that God, your people will step into and know that no matter how the body may feel, there's a boundless energy that's there waiting for us as we walk in the purpose and plan you have for our lives. I commend this people to you, and I command strength upon every life, wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. Let it be unto us according to your word. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Put those hands together tonight and give God a big praise. Come on, give God a big praise tonight.